Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. How's everyone doing? Good, good. You guys are mighty talkative after a holiday season, man. Uh, you should be a lot quieter um, after a holiday season. It's good to have you guys here this morning. I just want to say this. Um, your first time with us. First of all, we're honored to have you here. Secondarily, I'm Kevin. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm the guy who takes the blame when things go wrong. That's my other uh, title. If you're a first-time guest with us, make sure that you put your guest card. There's a blue basket over there. As you leave today, put your guest card in your blue basket for us. We'd love to be able to to, uh, keep in touch with you and let you know what's going on here at Thrive. Real quick. Gospel of John was great Wednesday night. Thank you guys for the turnout that we had. The ones that were here. It was a um, a great time. We're going verse by verse on Wednesdays through the Gospel of John. And we're going to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, until it's all said and done. Does that sound pretty cool? Yeah. So if you guys can make it on Wednesdays at 6.30, we have youth and kids ministries as well. Love to have you guys here for that. Um, and then Saturday, just real quick, make sure you don't check out when I give announcements. Um, usually people do that in church, right? Saturday, big day for us. We're going to have the men's ministry and women's ministry kind of gather together. And we're going to do a cleanup of our storage area. If you hadn't seen our other half over there, it's the unfinished portion. Well, our plan in 2013 is to expand our kids ministry, make better kids areas. Um, we, we really value kids here at this church. And so our first option is to clean that out over there. Secondarily, we're going to be starting a food pantry. I have a, several families who are heading this up um, and doing a food pantry. We'll need that space for that as well. So we need to clean the storage area out. Um, now, I know when I say that, everybody's like, that's right, you sure need to do that. And you're pointing your finger at me like, yeah, y'all need to do that because I ain't coming on my Saturday to clean anything up. I don't clean my house up on Saturdays, much less yours. Is anybody thinking that? Yeah, okay. That's all right. You can be, be honest in church. Don't lie or God will strike you down. I'm joking. I'm joking. So uh, if you guys want to come out uh, Saturday, 9 a.m., make sure you're here for that. We'd love to have you. Um, again, it's hosted by our men's and women's ministries, but if you're a, a man or a woman, boy or child, uh, boy or girl, we'll, we'll, we'll take you too. So we'll, we'll take everybody. Turn your Bibles this morning to Genesis 4.11. Genesis 4.11. And we're starting a brand new series today. If uh, it's your first week with us or you're back from vacation, there's a series called Soul Detox. And I'm very excited the next four weeks to share with you about the different conditions of our soul. And over the next four weeks, you're going to find yourself in one of these messages, in a few of these messages, or all of these messages. And this is, and somebody says, man, are you spying on me? No, that's just the Holy Spirit. God knows all, sees all, tells all. So um, if that happens there, turn to Genesis 4.11. There's a story of two lumberjacks. We'll call them Lumberjack A and Lumberjack B. And one lumberjack believed he could outdo the other lumberjack. You ever been at work and you'll outdo your, your co-worker? Well, this lumberjack said, here's my plan. I'm going to just chop as hard as, I, as I've ever chopped my whole life today. I'm going to go to it, man. So he starts off and he's chopping and he's chopping and he's chopping. Well, his lumberjack B, we'll call this other guy, would actually take breaks. He's like, I'm going to crush this guy. Well, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, lumberjack B had cut more wood than lumberjack A. 
Project A was the guy who just went to it. He didn't stop. He was going. He's going to get it done. And he was very confused. So he goes to the other lumberjack and says, man, I saw you taking breaks all day. I saw you doing this. I saw you doing that. How did you beat me in chopping this wood? He said, it's easy. I took breaks and I rested to sharpen my axe. He said, you can cut much more wood with a sharp axe than you can a dull axe, no matter if you're working harder. And Ecclesiastes 10 actually tells us that. And you've got to understand that you need not only rest for your body, but rest for your souls. Look at Genesis 4.11. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground. This is Cain. Now I'm not talking to you. This is Cain. God speaking to Cain. So don't, don't, don't get scared. That's a pretty hard opener there. And which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hands. You remember in VBS days you learned about Cain and Abel. When you work the ground it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would uh, anoint the words of my mouth. That God, you would help us today to unpack what it means to be a restless soul. And Father, I pray that as we go through scriptures today and we go through what you're showing us, that God, you would speak to our hearts. That you would open our, our hearts up to your word, God. And let your word do the work. And Holy Spirit, you're the best teacher and preacher there could ever be. So I pray that you speak to hearts. And I pray that the next several minutes will not be a waste of somebody's time. But God, it will be impactful for their life and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we've got to establish is you are not a body with a soul. Because we put our bodies as priority, don't we? Because that's what we see. But you're actually a soul with a body. Right? I mean, think about it. When you die, what decays? What goes away? Your your body, but your soul continues to live on. And our souls, a lot of times, that's your, your thought, your emotion, your will, your intellect, your feelings. A lot of times we get our souls clouded by the things of this world. I talked to a, a brother in Christ this week and he said, man, I got this guy, uh, you know, I work with and he's dropping the F-bomb every other word. He's like, man, it just vexes, it grieves my spirit. I said, man, you know what's doing? It's actually kind of rubbing off on your soul. You know, it's like uh, you pick up things. You start to become like the things that you're around. And a lot of times our souls are like that. And one of the things that we pick up from this world is being busy and active. Right on? I mean, we're, we're, we're some of the, one of the busiest societies in the world. And you have to detox your soul in life just like you would detox your body from the things and the elements of this world. My mom and dad, uh, my mom... You know, um, there's no one with us, but my dad, both of them were chain smokers their whole life. My dad still is. And so when we would go visit, I'm not picking on anybody that smokes in here. Don't, don't like get mad or something. And I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just, just making an observation. But when I stopped smoking in 99 and uh, when I gave my life to Christ, I still lived in the environment where my parents were chain smokers, right? And if you, I'm just going to say this, if you don't smoke, and you're around cigarette smoke, it's like one of the most offensive smells you can have. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm observation. I'd never known that before because I'd always smoke two packs a day, right? So when I stopped, I, I, I was going to church and I had this radical conversion. Everybody knew me as the guy who like, like saw, like, uh, you know, I did everything but kill people and I gave my life to Christ. And, and, and they knew I'd stop smoking and drinking. But then one day, one of my friends come to me and says, man, can I talk to you? I said, sure. I said, what's happening? He says, I just want to make sure you're okay. I said, I'm great. Couldn't be better. 
I says, no, no, I just want, is everything all right, man? I just, what's going on? He says, you smell like cigarette smoke all the time. I didn't know if you'd accidentally, you know, need prayer, need help. And I was like, oh. And then I realized that the environment I was in was actually rubbing off on me, on my, on, on my clothes. So here's what my wife and I have to do when we go to our parents' house, to my parents' house. We have to actually bring certain sets of clothes that we wear in their house, and when we leave, we have to detox our clothes, two washes. Because if not, it contaminates everything. I mean, like we have a, we have a trash bag that has the scent in it. Do you guys have those trash bags? If you don't, get them. They're awesome. Your trash does not stink. And so we put the clothes in there, and when we come back, you know, the clothes smell a little better, but you open the bag, you're like, oh! And my wife got to the point, she's like, I'm not staying at your parents' house. I smell like a walking Marlboro cigarette. I'm sorry, I can't do it. And, and, and you know, and, and my dad does good, man. You know, he, he really tries. He, like, has these candles out. He tries, man. You know, so I, I sit there and endure it. I just have certain clothes I wear. I know I'm going to wear these clothes to dads because I can, I can have them like that. But we have to detox our clothes when we leave because of the, of the smell. Now, the same way we need to detox our souls in life. Because so many times we put focus on our body, we put focus on all the things that don't matter. And many of us need to be detoxed, what we're going to call today, a restless soul. And that's one of the major problems that our society faces. A person that can never find rest. They always need to be working and moving and doing. Now, this is my issue out of all the four sermons that I'm going to be given this, this month, this is where the Lord really tackled me on. He threw a flag on me. He sidelined me. He spoke to me. Because I am a restless soul. I'm always working. I'm always doing. I'm always busy. I have to do things, so I only focus on that. Last night, I'm watching a football game. I'm like, man, I'm going to watch football. Playoffs. I love it. What, what do I do about the second quarter halfway through? Because, you know, it's, I hook my computer up and start working. Now, I know none of you struggle with being a restless soul. I know all of you in here maybe have it right. You're like, man, I've, 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 uh, I've conquered that. But that's something that I deal with. I don't like to rest. I feel guilty when I rest. I hate to lay around. And you got to understand this, though. Restlessness comes from the curse of sin. Look again in Genesis 4.11. We just looked at that. Don't you look at this again. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood, that's Cain and Abel again, from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Friends, the restless soul is searching but never finding. It's interested in everything but satisfied with Nothing. Is anybody going to be honest here today and say, I think that I am the restless soul? One of my prayers in 2012 was this, and I talked to my wife about it. I take a Sabbath. I will take time to rest. I refuse to let anybody work me in the ground, and you should do the same. But can I tell you something? There are certain things that not even a nap can fix. There are certain things that not even a day off of work is going to fix. And we feel like sometimes, if I just had a, a vacation, and you come up with your vacation, you need a vacation from your vacation. You know, you know, one of the main things we need, you do need rest for your bodies, but you need rest for your souls. You need to be able to say, God, I need divine contentment and divine satisfaction. Because Americans, and we are the 
poster children for this. We need the new thing, the better thing. We've got to have more. We've got to have the new iPhone. We've got to have this, got to have that. Kids need the new video game systems. It's like we are always needing something more. We cannot be still and content. And my prayer for myself in 2012 was, God, give me a divine contentment in my soul. Here's what Ecclesiastes 2 22 and 23 say, and you can write this in your notes. It should be on your talk notes. If you didn't get them, they're on our table back there. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work is pain and grief. Somebody said, Amen. Even at night, his mind does not rest. You can tell me that your body needs rest, but today we need to all be honest today at Thrive and say, Our souls need rest. Our minds need rest. We need rest from the things that surround us. So, first of all, where do we find our rest for our souls? Where do we find rest for our souls? I don't mean to be cliche. I don't mean to be generic. But our souls find rest in God alone. I know that's the obvious. I mean, it's like, what's brown, cute, a fluffy tail, climbs trees, and loves nuts? A squirrel. That's very obvious. Where do we find rest for our souls? It's in God alone. And here's what Psalm 62.1 says. This series will be more topical so you will get more scriptures um, than you usually get before. Usually we read a passage. I want you to, to write these scriptures down. Psalm 62.1 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. And here's what St. Augustine said. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. Here's what Jesus said. Now now check this out. Rest for your souls. This is so biblical. He's talking to a bunch of people who had tried to follow the law. And they found their religious goodness from following the law, right? It's like, if, if, if I do enough good works, God will accept me. Some of you are in this place here today. You're thinking, man... If I just be good enough, God will accept me and God will take me. He will take you in Christ if you'll receive Christ. And here's what Christ says to all these religious workers. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, say it, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, say it, rest for your souls. Today what I want to do, I have three points for you. How do we find this rest in God? How do we find this this thing that we're all looking for? I know many of you are sitting here today saying, man, I need rest for my soul. I need to find this divine contentment. We're going to look in the Psalms today. We'll be in three different Psalms. The Psalms are good for a purpose. They're what I call the soul book. They're the book that speaks to your emotions. You know, David, when he wrote, he wrote in times that he lost children. He wrote in times that he lost wives, good or bad. Um, He wrote in times that things went terribly wrong in his life. There's a lot of songs in there. There's a lot of poems in there. And the Psalms speak to our souls. And that's what I like about this here. And so what we're going to look at is three different Psalms and three different points on how do we find rest for our souls. How do we find rest in God? Here's the first point. I want you to write in your notes this morning. Be still and know that I am God. So the first point is be still before God. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. 
It's interesting to note that Psalms 46 through 48 represent uh, Israel being delivered from the Assyrians. Now you need to put on your thinking caps this morning and not check out when I start talking about you know stuff beyond uh, Sunday school. They were captured by the Assyrians. They were exiled. One of the worst situations ever that Israel had faced, right? And they were in the middle of this exile and God had given them promises and all they saw was darkness around them. But God miraculously delivered the Israelites from the Assyrians. As we know the story goes in the Old Testament, he delivered them from that. So what happened was, was that the sons of Korah went and wrote this scripture here, Be still and know that I am God after the fact. They were writing this to the Israelites coming after them. Saying, look, I know life may seem difficult. I know that things may seem dark. I know that it it seems like, you know, you're going through something that will never be fixed. There'll never be a solution for it. But they were writing to say, be still and know that he is God. Know that deliverance will come from God. You've got to learn to be still before God. One of the toughest things, because we don't like to be still for anything. There's times in your life when the situations will look bigger than God. You're going to wonder how in the world are we going to make it and you'll start getting anxious. How many of you worry about things that never take place? I do the same thing. You know, you're predicting things to go wrong and you're thinking about these things that could go wrong and you waste all your your energy of your brain focusing on that and you get anxious and you worry and some of you get sick because you're so worried about the future and you can't shut your mind off. It never stops. How are we going to pay the bills? How is this going to work out? My child's not acting right. Uh, This is happening. That's happening. And we actually add to the point of our souls not finding rest. And, and here's what I've learned, and, and we'll talk about this in the third point, but when you have seen God come through, then you know how to be a lot more restful in a situation because you've seen him come through before, and you know he'll come through again. And that's what they were saying here. You guys that have children, you know how children are? Um, I have two wild dogs. Um, I don't have children, but they can be similar in some ways. Some. Uh, that Dogs don't grow up and talk and have conversations. They kind of just, just max out at a certain point, right? But, you know, children continue to grow up and cause more problems. I'm joking. <laughs> but you know that you've told your children to be still and not move. Be still and don't talk, right? Right? We, we, we've all done that. Even You probably told somebody else's children to do that too. You look around, you better be still. You know their parents aren't looking. You're like, man, you better be quiet. But we have to do the same thing to our soul. We have to learn to tell our soul to be still. Stop worrying, stop fighting, stop going, stop doing. I never forget, my church in Florida, we only did church on Sunday nights. And when I get done on church on Sundays, my mind does not stop. It's not like, oh, that was great. It's working, it's going, it's moving, I'm always thinking. And we had church at night. So when I got done, I would go home, be home by 9 o'clock, and I would be at work the next day. And literally, I could not sleep. I was like, okay, stop drinking caffeine at noon. Okay, I'll stop that. She gave me all these things to do because she's a physician assistant. She knows best, right? And just come to find out, a lot of the things I was thinking about and I was worrying about and I was planning for were things that would never take place. And I had to learn to tell my soul to be still. Sit down, shut up, and quit. I know you guys don't say that to your children and you shouldn't, but I'm just saying that maybe I have said that to my dogs before and maybe I've said that to myself 
you'll never really know. Psalms 131, 1 and 2 says this, but I have stilled and quieted my soul. It's biblical. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. I have learned to still my soul. Let me talk to you for a second about something important. Spiritual disciplines. Now you just heard the word discipline and you just checked out. You're like, man, I have come to the wrong church today. Spiritual disciplines are important. I spoke last week about how we love to celebrate the seventh day shout, but we don't like to talk about the six days the Israelites walked around Jericho not saying anything. Silent for six days, walking for six days. Could you imagine that? Again, worshiping God in the mundane. Well, when I went to Emmanuel College, they carried us on this encounter weekend. And encounter weekend was not what you're thinking. It wasn't high energy praise and worship. It wasn't dynamic speakers to get us pumped up. It was a weekend for spiritual disciplines. And one of the disciplines, we had seven major disciplines to focus on. And they were teaching us this so we could build a strong foundation for our spiritual life. Here's one of the disciplines. It was called the discipline of silence. And you can look up Richard Foster in Spiritual Disciplines. It's great stuff to, to, to enhance your spiritual life, to seek God more. But the discipline of silence. Now, I grew up, not grew up, but I got saved in like a Pentecostal church. Silence was like sin. We don't need any silence. Oh, God, there, there was silence in between that song. You've got to keep it going. Keep the people saying amen and shouting. You know, right? I mean, that's, that's what you do. And you, you don't want silence. So here's the, the discipline they told us to do. They split us all up. It's about 15 of us. And they put us, they said, go where you can get time along with God. And you're going to be silent for an hour. No cell phones, no talking. I, think, I was like, I've never done this my whole life. I think I, I, maybe I do it eight hours each night, but I've never done this before. And, and they were giving us help, like maybe if, if you find yourself, cause, and, and the key was is to block every thought from your mind. Take every thought captive. It's, it's scripture. If you read 2 Corinthians 10, 4, take every thought captive. And that's what we're to do. Don't focus on anything. Your to-do list, your, your stuff. Focus only on cleaning, clearing your mind and making yourself still before God. I was like, okay, man, I, I think I'm a pretty spiritual person. I believe I can do this. Well, the first five minutes were probably the most difficult five minutes of my life. Because you're constantly thinking, constantly. Schoolwork I had to do. Stuff for youth ministry. The next five minutes, I think I did good. But something happened in the next 50 minutes. It, it was really unique. I slept through the whole thing. I sat there beside that bed, sitting there silent. And my friend wakes me. He's like, dude, wake up. I was like, oh. And so the first 10 minutes were voluntary. The second 50 minutes, the second 50 minutes, second part was involuntary. But I tell you what I did, guys. Um, for a season of my life, I actually had a discipline a day that I did. And one of them was silence. And I would go alone for five minutes. That's about all I can handle before I fall asleep. <laughs> that's, that's my cap. And I would actually be silent before the Lord and be still before him. And I would quiet, quiet my soul before him of all the things to clear my mind of everything that was going on. And friends, I tell you, when things get hectic and I start getting to that thing where I can't sleep at night and I'm thinking, I will practice that discipline. It's hard. You try to be quiet. And you watch. You got the yard to mow. You got bills to pay. The children need this. This has got to happen. That's got to. Yeah. It is the hardest thing that Christians will do is to steal their soul. And some of you will say, "I don't have time to be still." Right? You don't have time not to be still. 
The price of living with a restless soul is worse than the price of learning to be still before God. Here's your second point this morning. Second point is wait for God. Wait for God. Be still before the Lord. Psalms 37.7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Most scholars believe that this psalm was a family instructive psalm. That it was Solomon or David wrote this as instruction for their children. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That they would teach their children to wait patiently upon the Lord. Now, friends, let's just talk for a second. I know many of you teach your children many things, but waiting patiently upon God is something you've probably never taught your children, have you? Wait patiently. I want that Xbox. Wait patiently upon the Lord. See how spiritual that sounds? (laughs) Uh, I would tell you, I was taught a lot about the Bible, but I was never taught to wait patiently from anybody. I was never taught that God will show up in his time and to wait patiently for him, for him to show up. Be still before the Lord. And one of the ways to find rest for our souls is learning to wait patiently for God to bring the deliverance. You know, some of the the greatest action that you can have in a battle that you're facing is just being still. Well, I need to respond to that email they sent me. And they just, no, you don't. Do you see what, what, what they said about me? That's fine. Sometimes you get yourself into stuff by retaliating and trying to take the battle in your own hands. And one of the things that you've got to learn is sometimes just waiting patiently before God. I, let me just give you a story. I'm not going to endorse this, so listen to me. Or is every, did everybody hear that? I'm not endorsing this as a lifestyle, so you got me. But it's an example from life. Not the only example. I can give you others. But I know my, my wife's parents had this awesome restaurant. They felt God gave them, and, and God told them, and God showed them. You know that. You feel God leading you into something. And, and two years later, the restaurant utterly failed. Fell apart, failed. It, it rocked their, their world. It wrecked their faith. It was a, a tough situation for them. And I'll never forget, you know, her mom and stepdad saying, you know, especially her mom said, I just feel right now that I'm not to go look for a job for a couple of months. That I'm, I, I'm, I'm just to wait patiently. Before the Lord. And I thought, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Get out there, put an application out, and find yourself a job. <laughs> My Lord, woman. I'm, I'm being honest. Again, y'all laughing at me because I know y'all wouldn't do that. But I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And they did. They waited patiently for God. They, 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 just, they just waited. It's like God has shut every door to I mean, things, it, it was difficult. But now you look on the other end of it, and I'm going to give you the fast track to the story. Things worked out for them. And they found time, as I said last week, to heal. They found time to, to learn that God will bring deliverance. They found, they found actually how to wait, wait on God and wait patiently for him. Because in the restaurant, they were always trying to make it happen. If we just take another credit card out, we can make it happen. Sometimes you need to wait and say, God, I ain't taking a credit card out. You can shut my lights off. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Some of y'all will, will, will fight before you'll wait. And we need to learn to wait patiently. God. See, our society hates to wait for anything, right? I want patience and I want it now. Can you like rush order it online or something? Is there like Amazon? Does it give patience and I can get it overnight? I'll pay extra. I just want patience and I want it right now. That's how, that's how we are in our society. If I could just get it now. We hate to wait. So you guys just hated that I just waited right there. 
So we're like, will you please talk? <laughs> Silence is killing me. <laughs> we hate to wait. We hate to wait for anything that happens. Andy Stanley uh, said this, and this is something that I practice. Um, I won't say daily because I'm not going to lie to you in the church um, and be some spiritual guru, but as often as I can, as he does this, he says he'll read something until it grabs him in the mornings. He opens the Bible up, is going through a book, and will read until something speaks to him. And he'll wait upon God until he sees something. And that's something that I do before I ever answer emails, before I ever respond to anything, um, is I sit there and I wait for the Lord patiently to share with me from his word what he's saying. And a lot of times what we do is, is we jump in our day and we keep going and we never wait upon the Lord to see what he has to say to us in his perspective that he has for our lives. Here, here's the thing. Many of us who are restless, who are the canes of this world, refuse to do what is needed to find rest. You'll hear this today and you'll agree with it, but you'll go home. The Bible won't be cracked in the mornings. You won't be still before God. And you'll find yourself in the same situation that you found yourself before. Here's what Psalms 130 says. 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And I put, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Now watchmen can be men or women. You know that, don't you? You can have watchmen or watch women. I don't really sound good, but I guess watchmen and watch women. But it's for everybody. More than more than watchmen, wait for the morning. That's pretty powerful. That was their whole job, was to wait for the morning to come so they could take the next shift. The guys that come in. Do you wake up waiting for God and expecting God to share with you from his word and to impress on your heart? Do you take time in the mornings to, to do that? Wait before the Lord. Here's three things. You can try to write this down if you can keep up with me. Hopefully you have good shorthand. Three things you need, as, as you're sitting there and you're reading through the word, here's what you need to ask God. What do you want to say to me? What do you want to say to me, God? The second one you want to do is, what do you want to show me? Say to me, show me. And thirdly, what do you want to do in me? It's very important that every day we ask God those things. What do you say to me, God? Today, what would you say to me in your word? And you're like, man, I've never heard God. This is weird. I feel like the most unspiritual person on earth. Some of you feel like that. I mean, I've been there. Until I understood that hearing God is as simple as opening the word up. And when you read, something will jump out at you. And that's God speaking to you. You'll be like, man, I never saw that before. That scripture is awesome. And you take that and you put it in your heart and you say, God, now with this scripture, what do you want to do in my life? Is that okay if somebody tries that in here? Okay, I'm not, I'm not putting too much on you guys, Emma. Okay. Some of you are not married yet and you're like, man, I need to find the person. I need to find the person. I need to find the person. Some of you are not in the job that you want, and, you, and, and you're restless. And some of you are, are at places where all you need to do is wait patiently upon the Lord. Here's your third and final point this morning. And look at Psalms 116, 7 and 9. Turn to Psalms 116, 7 and 9. And the third point is this. Reflect on God's goodness. How do I quiet my soul? Reflect on God's goodness. Verse 7 says this, Psalms 116. Be at rest once more, O my soul. For the Lord has been good to you. He's speaking to his soul. 
you know, last night I was watching the Packers game and the Vikings. Some of y'all Packers fans in here? Okay, somebody is. All right. But it was funny. They said that James Jones, and if you're not a sports fan, you're going to zone out and think about what you're eating for lunch. But for sports fans in here, James Jones was a wide receiver that dropped a lot of balls last year. And they said that one thing that he started doing when he, is talking to himself all throughout the game. Stay focused. Stay aggressive. Stay strong. Stay focused. And they said that actually his defenders got a little worried because he kept talking to himself. Sometimes you need to, to tell your soul, look, man, God's been good to you, man. Chill out. Verse 8, for you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death. That's true of us. We've been delivered from death, hell and the grave through Jesus. And delivered my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. This was actually a song for the Israelites. It was a top 40 hit. Seriously. That they sang to each other. They sang together. And the whole key was, is that you need to reflect that God has been good. And if God's done it before, he'll do it again. And that's why I want on Sundays, man, I want you to leave singing these songs all week long. When you're going through a tough time. That you're singing and reflecting upon the goodness of God. I've said this before, let me say this again for you that may have not heard it. The best indicator of your, of your future fruitfulness is God's past faithfulness. You're worried about the future, man. What's going to happen? How's this going to work out? Look at God's past faithfulness. For you guys that watch Doomsday Guys all week long on your cable channels, and you're so worried about the, the world and what's going to happen, and we're all going down, and oh my God, this is terrible. Just look at how faithful God's been. And no matter what happens around us, God's going to be faithful to you. And when you start looking at, at, at all the things that you have to do and all the things that you have to get done, you need to reflect back on all that God has done for you. Learn to reflect back and learn to look and take time to reflect. I'm going to tell you something. When I came here, I've told you this before, to this church. And we came, and to all of us that were here, all 20 of us, it seemed like an impossible task of what God wanted to do. And the only reference that I had was God's past faithfulness in my life. That's the only reference that I had. I couldn't assure anybody that it's going to all work out. It's all going to be good. But I can say it has worked out, and God has been good. And so, friends, right now, while you're looking at things in your life, you're wondering, how's this going to pan out? How's that going to pan out? Start looking at how good God has been to you. Around your dinner table, you know what you need to do? Just talk to your children. Talk to your family. Say, what's God done for you this week? Let's talk about how good God's been. See, some of you parents in here need, need to tell your children what God's done for you. You're wondering why, why your children don't have any faith in God. Maybe because they never heard you talk about how good God's been to you. I, I know here at this church, we're not a, what you call a traditional church. We have a certain model method we go by, but I'm going to tell you something. I cherish the older generation in church. And these guys know this is why, why, why I'm here. They'll talk about, man, I just, man, and, and they'll talk about uh, hymns of the church. And I love the hymns of the church. I have a CD I play all the time with them. But you know one of the problems, that, you know church fights, which we don't have that here. You know church fights. One group wants hymns. The other group wants contemporary worship, right? You have those fights in church. I told the group here if they had that fight, I won't come in anyway. But here's one thing that the older generation forgot to do. 
when talking about how much they love hymns. They never told the younger generation what those hymns meant to them and what God did in those songs. That's one of the things. I'm just sharing with you from a younger person. We just thought it was music. But it was at that hymn that I came and gave my life to the Lord. It was at that hymn that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's in that hymn that I found God do something in my life. And one of the things that we need to do is not only reflect upon God's goodness, but talk to your children about the goodness of God. Talk to your family about that and say, I just want to share with you, kids, what God's done for me. I love hearing stories. My grandfather would do this about times that God intervened and God healed him and God did things for him. Because when I got saved, guess what? The only thing I knew God did was he saved me. (laughs) I had not seen God be my provider or my healer or any of that yet. And I had to rely upon his stories till I got to my story. And a lot of times we need to reflect upon the goodness of God and know how good that God has been to us. And when I start to get overwhelmed, guys, and I start to get discouraged, when things look bad, let me tell you something, I stop to think about all that God has done. I'm writing a book right now, my second book, and this one's called Dig, and it's for church planters. I started a church in Florida several years ago from nothing with nothing. It was, it was really a, a arduous task. The church is doing well today. You, two weeks ago, you saw the pastor that, that's there now speaking. He spoke here. During that journey, I felt the Lord impress upon me from day one to write a journal of my church planting experience. You know why? I was tired of hearing gurus stand up and tell me how to be great at something. And they run 1,500 people. And I'm with three people in a living room with no money. I'm like, alright dude, what do I do now? So I started writing this journal. I remember when the first family showed up to our home Bible study. I remember when the, the second family showed up. I remember when our offerings went above 87 cents. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm editing that book right now. I'm going back through it and I'm, I'm almost finished with it. And I get wrapped up just reading that journal. Day after day after day of how good God was to us. And I have such an anticipation for 2013 because when I read that journal, I know God interacts and intervenes with us. I reflect upon His goodness. Amen. In closing today, I want to share this story with you. There's a story of a Greek philosopher who was teaching children principles of life. And he would draw certain things in the sand and and he was teaching the young boys and he drew in the sand a bow, an arrow. And then he erased part of the bow, the string part, and he, he broke that part. In, in, in the picture, the little boy's like, well, why'd you do that? It's useless if it doesn't have its string. And the Greek philosopher who was teaching these young children principles, he said, it's easy, the reason that I did that. So you know why? He says... A bent bow that's always bent will eventually break. You've got to learn to loosen the cord. Friends, I want to encourage you in your life that you need to learn to loosen the cord, man. Don't let church Sundays and Wednesdays be the only time that you come and, and you loosen the cord. That you rest before God. That you, that you rest your mind. That you still yourself before Him. Because eventually, if you continue on the path that some of you are on, you're going to break. Some of you have already experienced that, haven't you, in life? You couldn't handle it anymore. You just eventually broke down with everything. I want to do this just for a second. And Daisy, if you will, and Danny, if you will, I want you to, guys to hold the music just for a second. Jordan, all you guys. He's coming up in a second. Just hold the music for a second.
Just go, you want to cut it? There you go. There you go. I want you guys to bow your head and close your eyes and just do this today. This will be the most awkward prayer time you've ever had. And I'm glad to do this for you. There's always a first. I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you just to, to, just to steal your soul right now. Take a time of silence right now. probably the hardest thing that some of you have ever done was was be silent. You guys can play now. You can break the silence for them. They're like, oh my gosh, this is eerie. In silence. But I, I want you guys, seriously, when you leave this place today, to take time to find rest for your souls. I believe the Lord divinely brought this message today. What we're going to do here is we're going to take time to do communion. We do it once a month here. Um, communion's a beautiful thing. Communion is a time when you get to reflect upon God's goodness in your life personally. Communion is a time we reflect upon the cross. Because a lot of churches don't talk about the cross anymore. We bypass it. We want more blessings. We want, deli- we want all these things that are divorced from the cross. And so as our ushers come, they're going to come and pass out the communion this time. So ushers, if you will, go ahead and uh, make your way there and they'll pass that out.